Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. actually evidence of a parallel universe wait what so maybe the, these differences in collective memories are actually evidence of, of our universe somehow becoming intertwined with another if not identical and very similar universe so people's memories are correct they're just remembering something that happened in another dimension hence the discrepancies that's science scully theoretical science at best Mulder. yeah we're not going to do this parallel universe sci-fi gobbledygook nerd boy, okay? So just please drop it, because that crap gives me a headache. It's a lot better than some evil entity zapping people's brains with a hypno-ray gun. I never mentioned a hypno-ray gun. Guys, so. it's faulty memory because Occam's razor. That's Ozzy's razor, not Occam's. It's always been Ozzy's razor. Maybe in a parallel universe it is, but in still yet another universe is perhaps known as Occam's axe. It's not parallel universes! Welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. I'm your host, Ryan Sprague. So, I know you were expecting part two of the series I conducted with Peter Robbins this week. But things aren't always as they seem. Or, perhaps you're remembering things differently. Or, even more out there, maybe, just maybe, you're suffering from the Mandela Effect. Something that was covered quite heavily in the recent X-Files episode titled The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. You may know him from his role as Richard, the paranoid alien abductee on the TBS hit comedy People of Earth. Or you might recognize him most recently because he was featured on the latest Darren Morgan episode of The X-Files. Today I am speaking with Brian Husky. In this standout episode of The X-Files, a stranger, known only as Reggie something, approaches Mulder, claiming that he was once Mulder and Scully's third partner. But why don't they remember him? The episode dives deep into the Mandela Effect, in which large groups of people remember history or events a different way, pondering the elusive question of alternate realities and alternate truths. As Mulder and Scully dig deeper into Reggie's claims, they soon realize that things may not be as they seem, and they even may finally find the truth that they've been searching for all along. Brian joins me to discuss his experiences on the show, his thoughts on the big and small picture of truth in today's world, and then we dive deep into UFOs and alien abductions. It was a funny and fascinating journey 
through the career and mind of one of today's most popular character actors. And an interview I won't soon forget. And for those of you who are waiting for the second part of the James Forrestall presentation with Peter Robbins, it's coming at you next week. I promise. So, without further ado, the truth is out there. Or somebody's truth is out there with Brian Husky. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today on Somewhere in the Skies. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. We were going to try to do this in person. Uh, we're both in the L.A. area, but, you know, circumstances permitting, uh, I had to make my way back to the East Coast. So Skype is always uh, a great way to do this. Let's cross our fingers. Uh, the connection stays and we'll get through this together. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe you can get some sponsorship from Skype and just from now on. Even if you're in the same room with people, you guys can just Skype from different laptops. Exactly. There's so many times where I've been in the same room with my girlfriend and messaged her over Facebook. It it (laughs) says a lot about where we are today in society, for sure. Or just your relationship. I don't, you know. Or that too. (laughs) Very good point. You've played some pretty recognizable roles that I'm sure most of our listeners are quite familiar with, most notably for. For me, is your reoccurring role as Leon West on Veep and also Richard on People of Earth, which is another show we're going to touch on later. But uh, I have to say, man, one of my favorites and my girlfriend's favorite is your character, regular size Rudy on Pops okay. Burgers. Yeah, he's the other end of the spectrum from uh, the, the visible versions I can I do. Absolutely. And I'd love to hear later on about how it is to work, you know, in animation versus real life. But uh, the real reason I wanted to have you on today was to talk about your role as Reggie something on the recent X-Files episode titled The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. What a brilliant title. Uh, Before we even get to the X-Files, though, Brian, I would love to just learn maybe a little about your training as an actor. You know, I I myself, I studied acting in school. I paid my traveling actor troupe dues on the road for a couple years. So getting to hear from other actors is very rewarding. And I know you worked with the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is incredible. But I would just love to hear how your interest in acting first began. And I guess sort of your path to brought you where you are today. Well, I... I've always wanted to do comedy in some way, shape or form. And I, you know, if anybody's heard other podcasts, I feel like people are like, this guy has like one story and that's the only thing he ever tells. But it is <laughs> like, this is like my origin story. But like, I, I have a, I have a framed speech that I made in second grade about how when I was, when I grow up, I'm going to be an actor or no, I'm going to be a comedian. And I've always been interested in it, but I was I kind of talked myself out of it a lot of times. I, I would sort of dip my toe into it, uh, and then something would scare me, and I'd back off. Uh, and I thought maybe I'd be a comedy writer. But it wasn't until – so I so I went through college, and I, I sort of didn't join the acting program there. I was an English major, but I was interested in you know maybe doing like an improv group. So I went to the theater department and asked the theater – head of the theater department, like if he had any advice. And he basically said, like, unless you devote your life to acting, you have no business, uh, you know, playing with its tools and stuff. And, you know, for a freshman in in college, that was enough to be like, okay, I give up. Thank you. you (laughs) So I I started a band and I would do the band. And then that was sort of got my performing, you know, jollies out. And then I and then I started I got interested in photography. So 
up until probably about 28, that's what I was doing. I was I moved to New York to go to do photography, and I was assisting and doing my own work. And I became roommates through a mutual friend with Rob Corddry, uh, who's an actor. He used to be on The Daily Show, and he created Children's Hospital, and, and he's another UCB person. And he's honestly the person who got me into doing it because he just said, you're funnier than my sketch group I perform with. We should start to do stuff. Uh, he started to take some classes ahead of me at UCB. And this was early. I mean, literally, like maybe the first or second wave of classes that they're doing way back, like 20 years ago. Um, and then once I started, I took some uh, the improv class. That was the thing that made sense. That was the thing that clicked for me and was the vocabulary and the approach uh, that I needed to sort of feel safe, I guess, uh, or confident. Uh, and honestly, like I, I, I've taken one acting class at the Atlantic Theater Company in um, New York, but everything else has just been improv, uh, just doing improv shows and just trial by error, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, that my acting training is literally improv through and through. And for a lot, you know, sometimes I, I did a show called Selfie, and we were discussing our respective training backgrounds and a couple of the people on there were you know british academy trained just had like tool tools beyond what i could ever imagine and everybody was just like well this is what works for me and this what has worked for me but i will admit and i've said this before it's like i'm kind of terrified of acting classes so i found my comfort zone and it seems to have paid off i would say so but i mean again like your extensive resume shows that uh there's definitely a room for improv in television especially nowadays you hear so often that you know this wasn't scripted or we just let the camera roll and see what happens and i think yeah. honestly that's when you get the best comedy for sure and then the other thing i think i I've, I've learned over the years in in doing improv is that it is another approach to the text because i you know for a long time i had a problem a, a fear of sort of the written text was i felt very beholden to an exact idea that the writer or director had in mind and if you can't execute that then you won't be able to figure out how to so as far as a Improv gave me – it diffused some of the fears I had around feeling like the, the, the script was something that I had to execute in a very specific way. And I found that I sort of – in learning text and stuff, I will kind of improvise – the, the scene, like I'll learn the text and then I'll kind of make it fit for my mouth. If I have, there's some, there's some parts that I'm hung up on. And then once I feel comfortable getting the idea of the scene by, you know, roughly sort of approximating the, the text and I'll, then the text will sink in for me and I can sort of own the words and then, and then stick to the script a little bit better. But yeah, improv is just always, and now I know that it, it is, it is my acting tool that is most comfortable for me. And even if I don't create something on, you know, if I don't come up with sort of like a line or improvise something, I know that I I'm still, I'm still improvising the scene. And I just tell myself that it's like, Oh, I'm just improvising the scene, even though I might be doing it word for word. Yeah. Uh, for me, it just kind of like takes away some of the, the, the scary burden that I kind of put on myself, you know, as uh, I'm sure most actors feel that immense pressure. Yeah. I mean, the first, like the first time I did a, I did a part on house, and uh, I discovered pretty quickly that they wanted me to say exactly what was on the page. And, uh, you know, this is early on when I was, I was just starting out. 
uh, you know, getting big jobs, bigger jobs. And I was like, Oh my God, if I can't say this word, right, I'm going to mess up. And now I just like, now I realize like everybody is you know, finding it in the moment. So you just want to sort of not hang up production and cost people a lot of money or time. So, yeah, that's a good point. You know, that you're on strict deadlines at some point. You can only uh, stumble through for so long. But yeah, I, I can imagine it's a, a very delicate balance uh, from project to project. Uh, right. so that's pretty cool. And improv is, is improv is writing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if you sort of think in terms of like, all right, well, somebody improvised this script. They wrote this script at the time. I like to kind of put myself in the room with the person while they're writing the scene and and that kind of helps me approach it sometimes too i just i then i imagine sometimes i'm a magical um pegasus that uh poops out dollar bills and that <laughs> me too so there are different approaches for everybody yes there are for sure yeah. well i mean fast forwarding to this past week brian how did this opportunity to be cast in the X-Files come about. Everyone's dream as an X-Files fan is to get on this show. So I got to ask, man, how did this happen? Uh, I just got the, the audition through my agent. And I will give a shout out to Kumail Nanjani because he, he and I had done a show together. And then I guess shortly after that, he did his episode last year with Reese Darby, the one about, I think it was... Uh, Mulder and, and, and Fox versus the werewolf or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, again, one of the Darren Morgan comedy episodes. Yeah. 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 So, and, and, and Kumail just put in a, a good word for me. He, he, you know, he was, Darren was like, who, who do you, do you have any recommendations for this kind of part? And he was like, Brian Husky would be great. And so I, I wasn't right for that part. Uh, but I guess I, you know, stuck in Darren or I was reminded uh, that Darren, you know, Darren was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. And so I guess he kept me in mind. And so when I did the audition, he he wanted me. And I I didn't know this until I read an interview recently. It's like he had to fight for me in the part, like (laughs) and stuff. So and thank God he did, because it honestly is like one of the, the, the greatest work acting experiences I've ever had. It was it was so fun. That's awesome, man. And I mean, the reception to this episode has just been incredible. I mean, cool. probably the standout of the season. We still have, what, another five to go, I think, something like that. But, you know, Morgan's work has just always been the standout. And it paid off, man, yeah. for sure. I mean, your role yeah. in this episode was amazing. Yeah, and just as far as like the the experience of it, I had I had no idea what the end result was going to be because. And he told me is like everyone comes into my my thing, you know, if they're hired, they think that they have to sort of do the the X Files style, kind of like noir esque you know, gravitas or whatever. He's like, we're going to do a take like that, and then we're going to do a super goofy one, and then we're going to do one that just just it is a mixture of both, and I'm going to sort of choose what is what works for which part of it. And I I'm not a big X Files. You know, I watched a little bit when it first started, but I you know I, I'm not a big fan. Like, <laughs> so I wasn't aware that his, of his style or his approach and stuff. And then seeing the end result, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I love he he he's he's like genre bend, bending. You know, he's he's doing sort of multi-layered like satire politically socially t- to the sci-fi genre and just this far into the x-files canon he's sort of getting super meta about like a you know and just the fact that they have all these flashbacks and references and he's referencing himself and right. 
stuff in the episode is great. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, now that the episode is aired and, you know, it, it's getting all this positive feedback, uh, myself included, if that means mm-hmm. anything, oh. <laughs> I think I've watched it at least five times now. But uh, oh. I'm sort of wondering, Brian, in your own words, uh, would you mind kind of giving us the rundown of what this episode was about? I mean, you did summarize some of the, you know, the themes that Morgan worked with. But um, for anyone who has has either seen it or kind of wants the breakdown from somebody in the episode, would you mind giving that to us? Do you want the sort of synopsis or do you want sort of what maybe the larger, Let's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's the do the, uh, the larger picture, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I think the larger picture is this is a very apt uh, and pointed um, criticism, maybe not even a criticism. I'd say it's sort of an identification of our the polarization of our country and bipartisan um, politics, and then it is a direct criticism of Trump's, I guess, spearheading of that, or, or you know, being the figurehead instigator of, of a lot of this tension. Um, because the episode talks about different perspectives of the exact same event, different perspectives on the exact same facts. And that's exactly what's going on now. You know, like facts do not hold the same intrinsic sort of power that they once did. Facts are malleable at this point. Information is malleable. Truth is malleable, which is interesting in, in terms of the X-Files because there are, you know, it, it is the truth is out there. It is the, 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 you know, two people trying to sway the society as a whole that there's more beyond just what they see in front of their face. And now that's gotten to sort of like a basic level of like there's more going on than you than you're being told, but you're being told to only accept what you're being told. So, so that's the that's the thinky version of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the the I guess the less thinky version, the uh, sort of more on the surface level, is you your character in this episode is the third agent, as it were. You know, there's Reggie, there's Dana, and there's Mulder, and we even got a new opening theme with you included in that. Um, And this is sort of based around the idea of the the Mandela effect, which plays a big part in this, which is kind of the, I would say, the uh, catalyst for what you just mentioned with this big picture look at the episode. So uh, I I guess I'd love to hear kind of your idea of what you thought of when you read this script about this phenomenon known as the Mandela, or in in this case, the Mengel effect. When I did the audition... You're just given the sides for, I think I was given the sides for two scenes, maybe three scenes. And none of that information about the Mandela effect, the Mingle effect, um, none of the sort of Trump criticism was in there. So when I read the actual script, I was like, whoa, this is, this is far beyond what I (laughs) imagined what would be going on. In addition, I was like, whoa, I have far, I have so many more words than I thought I would be having. This is great. But I, uh, I thought it was great. I mean, like I said, I think it's, I think it's a really, um, if it was just an episode that dealt with, um, memory being sort of malleable and, and, and sort of people's perspective of the same events being, I guess, separated. I don't know. You know, it's like if everyone, it, you know, it's like a Rashomon kind of thing. Like everyone has a different view of the same event. Mm. That I think would just be a fascinating episode unto itself. But having this sort of political content behind it was really great as well. And I don't, I, you know, I, I I think the Mandela effect is is plausible, just in that memory and perspective is fallible and malleable and 
And people are far more, I don't want to say self-centered, but your perspective on the universe is is your perspective. Yeah. You, know, you, you can only, your, your lens on what the world is and your experiences is always going to be yourself. So I, I think that's just inherently true. I heard recently somebody said, like, you, it, it's impossible to have sort of objectivity about yourself. And I think that's true. Because mm-hmm. even if you're like, no, I know myself. It's like, I know myself within the parameters of what I know about myself or I'm willing to admit about myself. I mean, I mean, that's a prime example of, you know, I've heard you in other interviews say like, oh, I went into an audition and I, I think I did horrible. And then, you know, months later you say you were perfect for the role. You got it. Like, yeah. th- that's a, a good example there of like looking outside of yourself. You know, we only yeah. see this 2D version of ourselves. So you do have to wonder. Yeah, totally. And I mean, even in this episode, it was so cool that, you know, supposedly your character hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Created the X Files. He got Mulder the I Want to Believe poster. These were really interesting. Now, these are episodes that X Files fans hold so close to their hearts. These Darren Morgan episodes. These, even the pilot, the pilot episode. You are now a part of in the in this in this reality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was that like? Sort of going back and learning that you were going to be a part of classic X Files episode. And I mean, I even in the bigger picture, like being a part of a franchise that's been around for so long oh yeah i mean it's sort of above and beyond anything i could hope for because it's it's yeah i sort of got like the the episode buffet where they're like have at it you're gonna get to be in this and this (laughs) and reference this and it's funny like not that i looked at all but on twitter there are a lot of people who are just saying like you but, you know, I got to sort of live the X-Files dream of being in all these these episodes and commenting on them. And, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. I, I remember just sitting back and being like, oh, you know, like, just like screaming like I was watching the Super Bowl. It was crazy. Like I went in for my costume fitting. They're like, OK, so I think you have 32 looks. I was like, what? Whoa. what's going on? <laughs> 
yeah, I, there's so many, so many costume changes. That one, the run where I date sort of show the various jobs I've had in my past. That was just like, you know, go in this, go in the room, change, come back out, shoot it, go back in the room, change. It was just me and the costume department were like, go, 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 move, move, move. Boot camp for, uh, I, I can imagine. How long did it take to shoot your scenes? Well, I, it was a 10, I think it's, wait, no, it was an eight day shoot. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, either seven or eight day shoot. And I don't know, each one was different. You know, some of them took a long time. Like a lot of the stuff that we did in the parking deck, those were like you know, 12 hour days. Yeah, each one was different. Some were very quick, long and involved. So I have no answer. All over the map. <laughs> All over the map, yeah. How was it working with uh, Duchovny and Gillian Anderson on this? You know, again, you know, they, they've become so, you know, the show is them. And then, you know, this person, and your role was very big in this, which is another thing. As yeah. like a featured role, you know, a lot of actors don't get that opportunity. You were like the bulk of this episode. How yeah. was that filming with like the two main stars of a franchise? Well, at first, I made sure that I rubbed their nose in it. I was like, <laughs> I'm getting more screen time than you guys. So just know that. You know, you're on your way out. I'm the new blood. No, they were great. They were really gracious. And, you know, I think once they kind of discovered that I was funny and nice to chat with, because I'm sure they've had, you know, in that in doing that, you sort of a, you have a cavalcade of just people who come through who can do their job, but sometimes they're not the best to hang out with, possibly. Once I kind of proved that I was not crazy, they're like, yeah, you're cool. We chat in between. and But, you know, they're long days. Everybody needs to sort of like step aside and and, and check their phone a bunch. And I, I would get, definitely go off and kind of run my lines if I had like a big soliloquy, you know, a few pages of dialogue to do and stuff. But yeah, they're really cool. And then Jillian posted a picture on Twitter just the very first day that I, that I quickly realized like, oh, she, yeah, okay, they're very famous because I just, that was enough, <laughs> like blew up my Twitter and as a result, a friend of mine who works at De- Deadline Hollywood is like, do you want me to write a story about you being on there? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I so. Yeah, I guess let's do it now. Yeah. You've all all of a sudden you get, you know, 10,000 followers out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. And that's, that's good to hear, you know, as fans, you know, who would never have access to information like that. It's cool to hear that, like, they're so down to earth and they're there to do their job. And so are you. And I can imagine, like, vice versa. There are some people that you've probably worked with in Hollywood and whatnot who aren't that, you know, accessible or uh, inviting. So that, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, at this point, they've been doing it for a long time yeah and coming back to it so i don't know i mean i always appreciate working with people who do approach it as a job you know because ultimately if you think about what we're doing it's it's definitely not brain surgery and we're not saving lives and all that those kind of cliches <laughs> it, you know if people do approach do have that kind of air of like what they're doing is or they are more important than than anyone else because of it i'm always it's a turn off you yeah. know because it's just like, yeah, everybody has, everybody has weird jobs. If you think about everyone's job, everybody's job is weird. So it's just like we're unusual. That is a good point for sure. Well, I mean, sort of, you know, wrapping up the X-Files talk, Brian, another big part of the episode has to do with the final case that Reggie, Scully, and Mulder supposedly solved together. And that was finally finding the truth. Wow. Yeah. So we've got an alien that comes out on a segue. And <laughs> this entire vin- vignette was unbelievable. 
unbelievably ridiculous, <laughs> hilarious, very Darren Morgan. The great, let me tell you the great thing about the Segway, the little, I guess what it is called, hoverboards? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, the, the actor who played the alien, just brought that with him to <laughs> And he was just riding in the parking lot, and Darren was like, oh, that's great. I want you – I'm going to have you ride that over to them. He didn't tell us that he was going to do that. Oh but I had seen him before riding it, so I was like, oh, I just figured that, that they knew about it. And after we did the take, they, like, burst out laughing. It was like, we had no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, it was really funny. Oh, that's really cool to know. Again, you know, just the idea that Morgan's willing to be, you know, yeah. open to whatever happens in the moment. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, yeah. Well, getting back to that, you know, that idea of the truth, I would not be doing my uh, ufological work here, mm-hmm. right? If I didn't ask you your personal thoughts about UFOs, man, what the phenomenon, if there's aliens out there, what sort of stake do you put in these sort of things? You know, we talk about this every week on Somewhere in the Skies, but for you, someone coming in as an actor and doing this, I would love to hear if you did any sort of research into this stuff or what your personal take on all of it is. Well, you know, I got people of Earth. I did a little research on more, more so on people who believe in, in UFOs and, uh, and in doing that, just, I, I would sort of learned about like, Oh yeah, here's this, this is probable and this is, this is possible. But I was more interested in researching people who have that, those beliefs. And because that's what the show is about, like people who believe in aliens, but are sort of like have to have to have a therapy group uh, mm-hmm. to through the day as a result. But I, I, I've never been, I, here's my here's my stance. If we are the only life forms out there, it's tragic, you know, because we, I don't think we're doing a good job of it right now. Yeah. But the probability of that is is so small. But I don't. But where I sort of like have a separation is like I don't know if the technology exists where they could come to us. And I say that only because I think I have maybe in comparison to the technology that is out there or the, who knows, like celestial awareness that's out there. I think I have a very caveman perspective and sort of limitation as to what I can imagine. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It it really is the lens you look through it from. Yeah. 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 And, you know, going back to the episode, it's the kind of the, the Darren Morgan episode is the kind of thing of like, I'm going to have, I have my perspective on uh, that truth based on the truth I have for myself and someone else might have a very different truth based on encounters they might've had. And so it's, it's bridging the, the willingness or the awareness, uh, the openness. I don't know what kind of nest is going to be to, to, to say like, Oh yeah, now, now, now that is true. Now I have sort of proof of that. And the, the thing, I guess in doing my research, the, the thing that was very solidifying for me was, and I can't remember his name, but there was a Harvard professor who did a lot of profiling of people who uh, said they were abductees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, John Mack. Yes, John Mack. And for him to sort of put himself out there, you know, as this, as this esteemed uh, institution and say, like, I think it's true. I, I don't think these people are lying. I think there's a consistency in the the um, the narrative that they share and the sort of affect. And he's like, yeah, I'm a believer. So, uh, you know, that that's that kind of thing. Like, well, science will prove it. And that helped it. 
Absolutely, yeah. man. I think it's, you know, it's whenever that convergence of science and belief come together, uh, when I think we'll finally know that truth that you guys discovered in your episode. Um, but it, it is interesting when you have people like a Harvard, you know, psychologist or astronauts coming forward saying they saw stuff when they were out there. And it, it really does make you wonder, like, how true is all of this and these people claiming to have been abducted by aliens or made contact. Um, I consider myself a skeptic believer. You know, I talk about this every week with people right. in all walks of life uh, who have varying beliefs on it. So it, have, it's it's interesting. Have you spoken to uh, people who feel that they've had encounters? Yes, I actually I wrote an entire book uh, where I, I interviewed hundreds of people about their encounters. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, I, I had uh, David Jenkins on the creator of your show People of Earth, um, who said he, you know, he went to these conferences that they have or these support groups and talk to these people. And, you know, I, I sort of take the same approach of, yeah, I'm going to hear them out. And what my personal beliefs are, I, I, I sometimes try to set that aside and just live in that moment and say, these people firmly believe something happened to them, whether or not it was visitors from another planet who, you know, communicated with them or took them up for experiments. I don't know. I, I was not there. So I, I try to keep the 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 chance open that that's what may have happened, but whatever is happening, it's affecting these people in many ways. And that's kind of more interesting to me, that sociological aspect to it all. Right. Right. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I guess the, the comparison might be the Salem witch trial, you know, where within a community, it's sort of a mob mentality takes over and skews your interpretation of events mm -hmm. to make a truth that's not there. But I don't know how that's, that's one of the things that's interesting to me about the show is that each person has individual real life personal issues going on behind this larger event. And at this point it's been established that we have been, well, we've all encountered these aliens and stuff, but you know, initially you're like, you didn't know. Um, so it could be, you know, like for my character, it could be the result of like trauma of his divorce and his own sort of insecurity and, and difficulties with like uh, uh, authority figures manifesting itself into a larger conspiracy, sort of like paranoia. So, yeah, I, I, I can see people having doubts, even if someone like has, has a lot of proof and, and sort of belief in what they're saying. And again, that's because I don't know, it, it is, I keep going back to the Darren Morgan thing is like when the, the commonality between Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals, if you look at it is like everyone wants to be safe and happy and protected and feel like they belong, but they're two very different interpretations of what that means in execution, but it's the same truth. You know, and so I think for, you know, as far as like believing in aliens, people want to believe yes, they want to believe uh, that their their experience of, of life is trustworthy and real and, and kind of solid. And when something like that happens, it's hard to make sense of it. And if you have the majority of people being like, no, that's crazy. <laughs> it's very hard to be like, no, it's not crazy. And I'm having a very hard time convincing you otherwise. Yeah, I think that that would be kind of daunting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is a really good way to look at it. There's so many correlations between your episode of The X-Files and your character of Richard on People of Earth. I love it. I, I would love to see a crossover where Richard yeah. comes on The X-Files. That'd be I, one. I, I'm, I'm becoming very aware that I 
seem to be building a body of work of people who are maybe crazy or have, <laughs> definitely have like some serious issues going on. Cause I do a, uh, I just wrapped it last week, but I, I, I did a special last year and I'm doing another one this year, uh, for adult swim called Mr. Neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. That's essentially like a kid's show that plays in an insane person's head. And that's all about just some, someone sort of like trying to, to wrestle with his demons through a certain kind of lens. But then, you know, this year I did it after doing the X-Files and I was like, Oh, I play a lot of crazy guys. <laughs> You're getting pigeonholed, man. Yeah. Yeah. Very limited. I went to just some, a sane guy. Who just wants yeah. to That's when you hit us with like some huge, big budget biopic. <laughs> Be like, Oh, okay. Okay. He's not yeah. just the crazy guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to play a guy who serves coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Very boring. <laughs> After looking over your resume, Brian, I mean, it's amazing the amount of projects you've worked on. If there was one thing you could tell actors or writers out there about how to navigate such a respected career, what would that be? Wow. I'm hitting you with a curveball. What advice would I give? I would say that you should try to celebrate every job or victory that comes along, even if it feels like, you know, in comparison to someone else got a bigger job or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like doing this is very hard and you really have to kind of like have your own back and, and, and be proud of, of the, of any momentum you get. Uh, Cause I think I spent a good portion of my career early on being like, this is great, but this is cool, but I want this. And I wasn't able to sort of like really savor, you know, the opportunities and experiences I was getting to have. And then the other thing is just as much as you can be, be patient and know that even though something might not be happening now, everything is sort of footwork and uh, your empire building a little bit. Even if you go for an audition, do great. You didn't get the part. If you make an impression on someone, that means something. And down the line, you know, hopefully the universe will pay off. But I think, I, you know, if I, I used to teach improv, I would just now if in teaching that I would say, like, if any of you people want to do this as a job, just approach it in a very best you can in a very zen fashion and knowing that all you can do is go in, do what you can do, leave and keep living your life. You have no effect on the huge, like, intricate web of people involved in a project who make decisions on whether you're part of that project or not. And even if you're fantastic, there might be something involved that is beyond your power. Like he's fantastic, but he doesn't look good standing next to this person. And we've already cast this person. So for that small reason, we can't use him or her. So don't take it personally as much as you can, don't take it personally, um, which is one of the hardest things to learn in life in general. Um, Absolutely. That, that's a brilliant outlook, man. Again, you know, beyond being an actor, I mean, just in life in general, just don't take it so personal. And I think that's uh, sort of a commentary on where we are at, at least here in America right now. Don't take everything so personally. So I, I will leave that. up to the listeners but um i have to ask before we go what else are you working on right now and uh where can we find out more about what you're up to well i i put a little plug in there for mr neighbor's house but i just wrapped mr neighbor's house 2 which is hopefully going to come out sometime this year but i'm not 
Uh, Adult Swim has a rather whimsical programming approach, um, so I'm not sure. But if you want to see the first one, it's on all my social social media in the bio area. On I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Brian Husky, and then I'm on Facebook. Oh, and I have a fan page on Facebook called the Brian Husky's Brian Husky fan page. <laughs> And you can find out stuff there, but I'm not great at Facebooking. I tend to forget that it exists. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think most of us have at this point. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep trudging on, Mr. Uh, Zuckerberg. Brian, this has been awesome, man. Thank uh, you so much for joining me today. Oh, I really appreciate it. It was really fun to to try to babble my way through these big ideas because they were, uh, yeah. There's a lot going on in the world right now, guys. Yeah. Hold on. Just hold on, please. <laughs> we will get through this together. Get through this together. <laughs> uh, cool. Awesome, man. Take care. And thanks again for coming on Somewhere in the Skies. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Take okay. care, Ryan. You too. That is it for this week's episode. Again, you can follow Brian Husky on Twitter at the Brian Husky. You could follow the show on Twitter at Somewhere Skies and on Instagram at Somewhere Skies Pod. If you'd like to support the show and get tons of goodies in return, please consider subscribing to Somewhere in the Sky's Patreon. For as low as the cost of a cup of coffee, you can receive tons of bonus episodes, content, and merchandise. And you'll be helping out the show to grow in quality and quantity with your monthly donations. To learn more and to become a patron, visit patreon.com backslash somewhereskies. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. It helps tremendously in gaining new listeners. Past episodes and articles can be found at the website, along with contact info for any guest or topic suggestions, or to tell your own personal story. That website is somewhereintheskies.com. Thank you again for joining me, and I will see you here next week to finish our two-part series with Peter Robbins on the extraordinary life and strange death of James Forrestal. Remember, keep your feet on the ground and move along, sugar boobs. This is The X-Files. It's a line that Brian Husky said in the episode. I I swear to God, go back and watch it. That actually was said in an X-Files episode. Amazing. Okay, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching. Somewhere in the skies. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.